We're staying in Ephesians, and some of this might even be a review to some of you. But uh, that's one thing that I mentioned to Jerry, that I don't want to take us out of where we've been. So we will just stay right within Ephesians. Now, what does it mean to be in Christ? You know, it's mentioned in the New Testament 164 times. But that's kind of like the main meal. And you ladies know that before you serve the meal, you've got to set the table. So first of all, we're going to set the table. God had a plan for man. In Genesis, God created the world from a formless, empty, dark chaos. And where there is chaos, God brings change. God's spirit moves into the darkness and he creates beauty. Now, we may not understand the complexity of just how he did it. However, it is clear that God did create all life. God communicated to the darkness, to the, and he said, let there be light. Now, it's interesting to note that God could have just waved his hands, right? He, did, he, could have, he didn't have to speak. He could have just waved his hands and created, but he chose to speak to his creation because God is a communicator. And he desired relationship with his creation. God transitioned from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. Now God created Adam and Eve in his own image, a mirror image. He gave them emotions, choices, thoughts, and desires. Desires of love and respect. Adam and Eve were joined together by taking responsibility for each other's welfare and by loving their mate above all others. He created them to have diversity and unity in one flesh. Adam and Eve were built to enjoy life and reflect that joy in their relationship with God. God blessed them so that they could be a blessing to each other. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Note that the blessing came first before the actual work. Now, disguised as a crafty serpent, Satan came to tempt Eve. And Satan bypassed Adam. He went right by him as though Adam didn't exist or didn't matter. And he moved toward Eve and he tempted her alone. Now Satan preyed upon Eve's character knowing that if he broke that intimate relationship between Adam and Eve, he could destroy God's creation. Now Satan made Eve forget all that God had given her and instead focus on what God had forbidden. Now after Eve was deceived by Satan, she involved Adam in her wrongdoing. And when Adam knowingly disobeyed God, that's when sin entered the world. When God looked for them in the garden, they hid from God. Their relationship with God had been broken. That's what broken people do. Broken people hide. When God asked them if they had eaten from the tree that he had commanded them not to, their answers were different. Instead of moving toward Eve with love to honor Eve for the person that God made her, no. Adam instead blamed and dishonored God and Eve in the midst of Eve's failure. Hey, you're the one that made her, not me. It's your fault. Well, Eve then proceeded to blame it on the serpent. And as a holy God, he could respond in only one way that was consistent with his perfect moral nature. He could not allow sin to go unchecked. He had to punish it. 
Adam and Eve had to learn by painful experience that because God is holy and hates sin, that he must punish sinners. From that point in time on, the world was a fallen place. And mankind was fallen as, as we still are today. And what was the fruit of Adam and Eve's actions? Broken relationships between God and man. Broken relationships between people. Adam and Eve no longer followed the order of design that God had intended. Submitting to one another of reverence for God. Broken people. Broken people hide. Now, where Adam had been built for a relationship, he became manipulative. The shame of Adam kept him moving further away from God. It was God that had to move toward Adam with grace, kindness, and wisdom. And then God stated to the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now the phrase, you will strike his heel, refers to Satan's repeated attempts to defeat Christ during his life on earth. He will crush your head, foreshadows Satan's defeat when Christ rose from the dead. Already, God was revealing his plan to defeat Satan and offer salvation to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that was God's plan. Now, man, man, he had his own plan. Man's plan for man, it was centered around man. When man looked in the mirror, he didn't see God's image. All he saw was his own image or his self-image. Man turned inward to do his own thing and became a lesser man, trusting in himself and not in God. And if you'll note, the middle of the word sin is I, self-centeredness. In Proverbs 14.12, it states that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, the way that appears to be right, it offers all kinds of options, and it requires few sacrifices. And this solution, and I don't know, is this solution attractive because it allows me to be lazy, or because it doesn't ask me to change my lifestyle, or because it requires no moral restraints? The right choice often requires hard work and self-sacrifice. A man was no longer dependent on the light of the world, but he hid in the darkness. The very makeup of man became distorted. His emotions, they turned toward lust and anger and hate. Decision-making, he indulged himself in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Foolish thinking that suppressed the truth of man's wickedness. I will no longer honor you, God, as my creator. Hardness of the heart. Those who don't feel alive are easily drawn into addictive lifestyles. Disrespect, uh, lack of love, empty inside. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin, pride, independent behavior. They cause a state of separation from God. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now God hates sin. And he cannot be in the presence of sin. There's no place for God in sin. Because of the nature of sin, man's desires are self-centered and are of the flesh 
not centered on Christ. Man doesn't want to hear the word because it's in direct opposition to the desire of the flesh. And as the word would require repentance and change, man's not going to change from meeting his desires. So there's no room for Christ in this type of a lifestyle. Now man was never content with God's plan for his restoration. Man had his own solution for man's problems. You ever seen that commercial where the couple is standing here like this and, and the man is looking up at the ceiling and there's this broken pipe and water spewing all over the place. And he looks up and he says, wife, I can fix that. <laughs> no. No, I mean that's being a little bit harsh on the woman. But you kind of get the idea of the picture and that is that man thinks he can fix anything even when he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. You see, man invented religion. Now, religion is not the same thing as following Christ. Religion is man's attempt to get closer to God. Christianity is God trying to reach out to man and make restored, redemptive, relational people. Now, man thought, boy, I can, I can build these, I'll build larger churches and we'll have larger offerings and, and we'll try to read and study our Bible more than we're doing and we'll try and do all these good works of of feeding and clothing the poor, and, 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 and we're going to spend more time in prayer. But the thing is, these are the things that we do of our own accord, of our own accord. And we think that's going to get us closer to God through our own accord. However, you can be busy in church, but not be in Christ. You can be in this fellowship and not be in Christ. How can you tell? You know, people who are dead in Christ are spiritually dead, and they have no interest in Christ. They don't belong to the kingdom, and when you give them the message, dead people, they, they never do anything with it. They just keep going through the motions. It's a lifestyle that will keep you unresponsive to God. Think about it. Do you talk about God in the home? Do your children hear it? If God is meeting your deepest needs, you're going to be satisfied. But if God is not meeting your deepest needs, then meeting your deepest needs will become your God. And you will turn to other resources to get those needs met. Could be drugs, alcohol, money, sex, whatever. But it's not about the church. And it's not even about changing our lifestyles. It's about Christ. Being in fellowship with others in Christ. Getting to love Christ, period. It's not reading and getting to know your Bible better but getting to know the author. In the 70s, if you can remember, we were taught that we need to have a personal relationship with Christ. You might have heard that song, My Jesus, My Savior. This kind of attitude kept people from actually pursuing fellowship. It was, there was kind of a lack of unity. And, 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 that, and if you think about it, it has nothing to do with the, the body type of thinking of all the parts working together. Or have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Now that thinking is self-centered. It's all about us. You receive Christ as king, not as the co-pilot. Christ is the pilot in your life. You follow him. He doesn't follow you. He's not put in a box just for you to open up now and then. Now, God had a response to man's plan. He had to come up with something because we have a divine human connection. Now, we were built for a relationship with God and with others. Separation and loneliness are not part of what God had as a plan for us. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 1, verse 2, it's written that we always thank God for all of you. Because Paul, Silas, and Timothy were talking about all the believers in Thessalonica. They weren't singling out and talking about an individual, but all of the believers. All right. I think I got the table set, so now let's look at the main meal. How do we get into Christ? Or better said, how does Christ get into us? You have to have that relationship defined. When you state that I believe Christ, that I believe that Christ died for my sins, and I believe he is calling me to repent from my sin, and turn from my ways, and turn to him, and ask him to be my Savior and my Lord, Christ comes and does the work inside of you. You begin walking in the light, illuminated by the Spirit, and become a child of God with full access to the family of God. Not a child of this culture, walking in idolatry, worshiping a God of your own creation. You no longer walk in the futility of your mind, the ways of the world. You come to a fellowship, a unity, a relationship brought into him, grounded in Christ. Now this is what we desire and hope for. Paul writes in Colossians 2, verse 9, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. God brings us hope. Biblical hope. I want you to understand just what biblical hope is, and that this is going to happen. God is going to do this because God is your hope. God is working in you to create a relational connection to Christ, integrating your heart to be in Christ. Once again, transitioning from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. In John 14, verse 3, he states, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with them. Now, Paul says that God is bringing heaven and earth together. We are a dichotomous, fragmented, broken world. God is working in individual lives, in him, to bring all together in the church. Christ is before all things. He holds all things together. The cosmos and the human race are being integrated into one and brought together. The good news of the gospel of Christ is that Christ is bringing the church together. Now, as Christians, you know, there's times that we claim that we, we try and invite our friends to come to church, but what we really want to do is invite our friends to come and know Christ. Because Jesus Christ is that bridge to restore us back to God. God also sent his spirit to restore us in our brokenness. You were dead, but God made you alive. Now I'm reminded of Leonard Cohen's anthem, the refrain of which there is a crack in everything, and that's how the light comes in. Because of our brokenness and everything, it allows that light to be able to come in. Now when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work of salvation has been accomplished. At Pentecost, all were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Peter preached a reference from Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. Christ was going to rule, to govern, to administrate over the earth, summing all things up under Christ, restoring everything, integrating heaven and earth under one head, the Lord. John 14, verse 6 states, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can a man change? Can a man change? Yeah, yeah, a man can change. Look at your own individual unique story and how you came to Christ and what Christ has done in your life for your benefit out of his love for you. The Holy Spirit is working in you to be transformed, coming alive with God-given desires. We have emotions of love, restoring human relationships. We are influenced to make choices that honor God, coming alive with his given desires. We have God's blessing, making us blessers to others, just like him. We have the goal of redemption, holiness, and blamelessness. We have God's promise of eternal life. Stated in in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You were created with glory, called to honor, You are the most wonderful thing that God has created. You reflect the honor and image of God himself. To honor him, be the person he created you to be. And in your relationships, mirror him to the fullest of your heart's deepest desires. We cannot be Lone Ranger Christians because no one will see the glory of God through and in you. We were built for respect and honor, to reflect the love of heaven. God is like the vine, and we're the branches. We are dependent on God for our health and welfare. This shows not only God's authority over humanity, but his deep love for all people. Paul states that God chose us in him to emphasize that salvation depends totally on God. The mystery of salvation originated in the timeless mind of God long before we existed. It is hard to understand how God could even accept us. But because of Christ, we are holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us. And when we belong to him through Christ Jesus, God looks at us as though we had never sinned. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 states, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. The Holy Spirit is a down payment, a deposit, a validating signature on the contract. What Christ did for you on the cross, the Holy Spirit makes real for you. Grace is God's voluntary and loving favor given to those he saves. Without God's grace, no person can be saved. To receive it, We must acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves, that only God can save us. And the only way to receive this loving favor 
is through faith in Christ. Grace takes on the sense of human empowerment to love and restore, to forgive and to move on. Grace redirects the heart. God was not intentionally keeping his plan a secret, but his plan for the world could not be fully understood until Christ rose from the dead. We became Christians through God's unmerited grace. God's intention is that our salvation will result in acts of service. We are not saved merely for our own benefit, but to serve Christ and build up the church. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Your heart, your heart is the workbench of the Holy Spirit. People can see that God is love and that Christ is Lord as we live in harmony with one another and in accordance with what God says in his word. We are citizens of God's kingdom and members of his household. The goal is to walk in Christ. In him, we were broken people. We learned to speak the language of grace. I trust Christ. I understand Christ. I respect Christ. I value that relationship. I spend time in Christ. Then, you become a man of Christ. You become a woman of Christ. We become a church in Christ. In the fullness of times, Christ is that long-range plan where everything would be brought together and summed up. Now, I want to close with a story that Jerry told us a while back. I, I love this story. I love this story. This story is about a boy who created a, a boat, and he was so proud of his accomplishment that he, he couldn't wait to take it out on the lake and enjoy sailing it. And he got it out there, and then the wind picked up, and it took the boat out to the middle of the lake. And he waited and he waited, but the boat never came back. He got really upset and finally he just went home. And two weeks later, when he was walking by the resale store on the way home from school, he saw his boat in the window. Now he went in and he told the owner, hey, that's my boat. No, it's my boat. I paid for it, but you can buy it from me for $5. Well, the boy went back home and he broke open his piggy bank and and he didn't have enough money, so he started doing little jobs around the neighborhood that would earn him money. And finally, he saved up enough money, and he went back to that resale shop, and he counted out $5 in change, and he bought his boat back. On the way home, he said to that little boat, you are mine twice, because I created you, and I bought you back. God created you, and he bought you back with the precious blood of Christ. Father, Thank you that you didn't quote on us but, or quit on us, but were faithful to us. You do all these things so the blessing would be ours in Christ. So that we would be involved in you and be blessings to tell others who don't know about that blessing. Thank you for all this and make these words a reality at Chesterland Baptist Church. These things we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.